0: part 3 propositions 51 to 55 of the ethics by spinoza this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by morgan scorpion the ethics by benedict spinoza translated by r h m elwes part 3 propositions 51 to 55 Proposition 51. Different men may be differently affected by the same object, and the same man may be differently affected at different times by the same object. Proof. The human body is affected by external bodies in a variety of ways. Part 2, postulate 3. Two men may therefore be differently affected at the same time, and therefore, by axiom 1, after lemma 3 after Part 2, Proposition 13, may be differently affected by one and the same object. Further, by the same postulate, the human body can be affected sometimes in one way, sometimes in another. Consequently, by the same axiom, it may be differently affected at different times by one and the same object. Quod erat demonstrandum. Note. We thus see that it is possible that what one man loves, another may hate, and that what one man fears, another may not fear, or, again, that one and the same man may love what he once hated, or may be bold where he once was timid, and so on. Again, as every one judges according to his emotions what is good, what bad, what better, and what worse, Part 3, Proposition 39, Note it follows that men's judgments may vary no less than their emotions. Footnote 10 This is possible, though the human mind is part of the divine intellect, as I have shown in Part 2, Proposition 13. Note. End of footnote. Hence, when we compare some with others, we distinguish them solely by the diversity of their emotions, and style some intrepid, others timid, others by some other epithet. For instance, I shall call a man intrepid if he despises an evil which I am accustomed to fear. If I further take into consideration that, in his desire to injure his enemies and to benefit those whom he loves, he is not restrained by the fear of an evil which is sufficient to restrain me, I shall call him daring. Again, a man will appear timid to me if he fears an evil which I am accustomed to despise, and if I further take into consideration that his desire is restrained by the fear of an evil which is not sufficient to restrain me, I shall say that he is cowardly, and in like manner will every one pass judgment. Lastly, from this inconstancy in the nature of human judgment, inasmuch as a man often judges things solely by his emotions, and inasmuch as the things which he believes cause pleasure or pain, and therefore endeavours to promote or prevent, are often purely imaginary, not to speak of the uncertainty of things alluded to in part three, proposition twenty eight. We may readily conceive that a man may be at one time affected with pleasure and at another with pain, accompanied by the idea of himself as cause. Thus we can easily understand what are repentance and self complacency. Repentance is pain, accompanied by the idea of oneself as cause. Self complacency is pleasure. Accompanied by the idea of oneself as cause, and these emotions are most intense because men believe themselves to be free. Part 3. Proposition 49. Proposition 52. An object which we have formerly seen in conjunction with others, and which we do not conceive to have any property that is not common to many, will not be regarded by us for so long as an object which we conceive to have some property peculiar to itself. Proof. As soon as we conceive an object which we have seen in conjunction with others, we at once remember those others, part 2, proposition 18, and note, and thus we pass forthwith from the contemplation of one object to the contemplation of another object, and this is the case with the object which we conceive to have no property that is not common to many, for we thereupon assume that we are regarding therein nothing which we have not before seen in conjunction with other objects. But when we suppose that we conceive an object something special, which we have never seen before, we must needs say that the mind, while regarding that object, has in itself nothing which it can fall to regarding instead thereof. Therefore it is determined to the contemplation of that object only. Therefore an object, etc., quod erat demonstrandum. Note, This mental modification, or imagination of a particular thing, in so far as it is alone in the mind, is called wonder, but if it be excited by an object of fear, it is called consternation, because wonder at an evil keeps a man so engrossed in the simple contemplation thereof, that he has no power to think of anything else whereby he might avoid the evil. If, however, the object of wonder be a man's prudence, industry, or anything of that sort, Inasmuch as the said man is thereby regarded as far surpassing ourselves, wonder is called veneration. Otherwise, if a man's anger, envy, etc., be what we wonder at, the emotion is called horror. Again, if it be the prudence, industry, or what not, of a man we love, that we wonder at, our love will on this account be the greater. Part 3, Proposition 12 And when joined to wonder or veneration, is called devotion. We may in like manner conceive hatred, hope, confidence, and the other emotions as associated with wonder, and we should thus be able to deduce more emotions than those which have obtained names in ordinary speech, whence it is evident that the names of the emotions have been applied in accordance rather with their ordinary manifestations, than with an accurate knowledge of their nature. To wonder is opposed contempt, which generally arises from the fact that, Because we see someone wondering at, loving, or fearing something, or because something at first sight appears to be like things which we ourselves wonder at, love, fear, etc., we are, in consequence, Part 3, Proposition 15, Corollary, and Part 3, Proposition 27, determined to wonder at, love, or fear that thing. But if, from the presence or more accurate contemplation of the said thing, we are compelled to deny concerning it all that can be the cause of wonder love fear etc the mind then by the presence of the thing remains determined to think rather of those qualities which are not in it than of those which are in it whereas on the other hand the presence of the object would cause it more particularly to regard that which is therein as devotion springs from wonder at a thing which we love so does derision spring from contempt of a thing which we hate or fear and scorn from contempt of folly, as veneration from wonder at prudence. Lastly, we can conceive the emotions of love, hope, honor, etc., in association with contempt, and can thence deduce other emotions, which are not distinguished one from another by any recognized name. Proposition 53. When the mind regards itself and its own power of activity, it feels pleasure and that pleasure is greater in proportion to the distinctness wherewith it conceives itself and its own power of activity. PROOF A man does not know himself except through the modifications of his body, and the ideas thereof. Part 2, Proposition 19 and 23 When, therefore, the mind is able to contemplate itself, it is thereby assumed to pass to a greater perfection, or Part 3, Proposition 11, Note to feel pleasure, and the pleasure will be greater in proportion to the distinctness wherewith it is able to conceive itself and its own power of activity. Quod erat demonstrandum. Corollary. This pleasure is fostered more and more in proportion as a man conceives himself to be praised by others, for the more he conceives himself as praised by others, the more he will imagine them to be affected with pleasure, accompanied by the idea of himself. Part 3. Proposition 29. Note. Thus he is, Part 3. Proposition 27, himself affected with greater pleasure, accompanied by the idea of himself. Quod erat demonstrandum. Proposition 54. The mind endeavours to conceive only such things as assert its power of activity. Proof. The endeavour or power of the mind is the actual essence thereof. Part 3. Proposition 7 but the essence of the mind obviously only affirms that which the mind is and can do not that which it neither is nor can do therefore the mind endeavours to conceive only such things as assert or affirm its power of activity quod erat demonstrandum proposition fifty five when the mind contemplates its own weakness it feels pain thereat proof the essence of the mind only affirms that which the mind is or can do In other words, it is the mind's nature to conceive only such things as assert its power of activity. Last proposition. Thus, when we say that the mind contemplates its own weakness, we are merely saying that while the mind is attempting to conceive something which asserts its power of activity, it is checked in its endeavour. In other words, part 3, proposition 11, note, it feels pain. Quod erat demonstrandum. Corollary. This pain is more and more fostered if a man conceives that he is blamed by others. This may be proved in the same way as the corollary to Part 3, Proposition 53. Note. This pain, accompanied by the idea of our own weakness, is called humility. The pleasure which springs from the contemplation of ourselves is called self-love or self-complacency. And inasmuch as this feeling is renewed, as often as a man contemplates his own virtues, or his own power of activity, it follows that every one is fond of narrating his own exploits, and displaying the force both of his body and mind, and also that, for this reason, men are troublesome to one another. Again it follows that men are naturally envious. Part 3, Proposition 24, Note And Part 3, Proposition 32, Note Rejoicing in the shortcomings of their equals, and feeling pain at their virtues, For whenever a man conceives his own actions, he is affected with pleasure, Part 3, Proposition 53, in proportion as his actions display more perfection, and he conceives them more distinctly, that is, Part 2, Proposition 40, note, in proportion as he can distinguish them from others, and regard them as something special. Therefore, a man will take most pleasure in contemplating himself, when he contemplates some quality which he denies to others, But, if that which he affirms of himself be attributable to the idea of man or animals in general, he will not be so greatly pleased. He will, on the contrary, feel pain if he conceives that his own actions fall short when compared with those of others. This pain, Part 3, Proposition 28, he will endeavour to remove by putting a wrong construction on the actions of his equals, or, by as far as he can, embellishing his own. It is thus apparent that men are naturally prone to hatred and envy, which latter is fostered by their education. For parents are accustomed to incite their children to virtue solely by the spur of honour and envy. But perhaps some will scruple to assent to what I have said, because we not seldom admire men's virtues and venerate their possessors. In order to remove such doubts, I append the following corollary. Corollary No one envies the virtue of anyone who is not his equal. Proof. Envy is a species of hatred. Part 3, Proposition 24, note, or, Part 3, Proposition 13, note, pain. That is, Part 3, Proposition 11, note, a modification whereby a man's power of activity, or endeavour towards activity, is checked. But a man does not endeavour or desire to do anything which cannot follow from his nature as it is given. Therefore, a man will not desire any power of activity or virtue, which is the same thing, to be attributed to him that is appropriate to another's nature and foreign to his own. Hence, his desire cannot be checked, nor he himself pained by the contemplation of virtue in someone unlike himself. Consequently, he cannot envy such a one. But he can envy his equal, who is assumed to have the same nature as himself. Quod erat demonstrandum. Note. When, therefore, as we said in the note to Part 3, Proposition 52, we venerate a man through wonder at his prudence, fortitude, etc., we do so because we conceive those qualities to be peculiar to him, and not as common to our nature. We, therefore, no more envy their possessor than we envy the trees for being tall, or lions for being courageous. End of Part 3, Propositions 51-55 to